Last year, Arizona basketball returned to the nation's elite, won the Pac-12 regular season and the Pac-12 conference championship. What needs to be done this year from an individual player perspective to maintain that? Let's get to it here on Locked On Wildcats. You are Locked On Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Happy Tuesday, everyone, and thanks for keeping it locked on, Wildcats. I am your host, Mike Luke. All right, we're going to have, we've been talking a lot of Arizona football here. We're going to talk a little bit of Arizona basketball right now. And uh, obviously in Tucson, I don't think that you're ever going to find anybody that's going to be upset with that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to break down player by player who needs to do what for Arizona to be able to maintain that spot amongst the top 10 in in the NCAA, or excuse me, in the NCAA, and to maintain at the top of the Pac-12. So let's go position by position, and let's start with Kerr Creasa. All right, everybody knows Kerr. Kerr is Kerr's got a big time flair to him. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And a lot of people say, a lot of players say that they want the moment, but. We are. We all know that a lot of players don't want that moment. And Kirk Creasa is certainly a guy that does want that moment. Whatever you think about him, whatever you think of his, uh, you know, of his flaws, he wants it when it's down. He showed it against Illinois. He showed it against Oregon. He showed it against UCLA when he had big shot after big shot. And a lot of these times he wasn't even playing well. But when it really came down to it, whether it was a floater, whether it was a long three. When it, when it came to a time, Kirk Carissa was that guy. Now, this year, you got to maintain that, obviously, but I don't worry much about that because when you have that in your arsenal, you are able to – it generally doesn't go away. I'll put it to you like that. So the other thing I would also like to see, though – well, there's two things. Improve the shooting percentage. You can tell by his form. You can tell by what Tommy Lloyd has said about Kerr that he can shoot the ball. Last year – the, like I said, the form looked good, but it just didn't connect at the rate that you needed it connect, to connect at. Um, for three-point percentage, I think you should be able to shoot 40%. You know, if, if you're a shooter, you should be able to shoot around 40%, at least in the high 30s. And to get that regular field goal percentage somewhere around, you know, in the low to mid 40s. That's what I'd like to see offensively. Defensively, it's always going to be a little bit of a struggle because he's just not... He's not blessed with the physicality and the lateral quickness to be able to be a really good defender, but that doesn't mean that you can't get stronger. You can't force, you know, guys off their spot a little bit. So again, Creasa, build on, continue to build on your for, or, uh, the big, big spot moments. And on top of that, also be able to shoot the ball at a much higher percentage and at least become a little bit more passable defensively. All right. Then you got Courtney Ramey coming in. Courtney Ramey will be your starting shooting guard out of Texas. Now, the first thing you need from Ramey is you need defense. We just talked about it, Kirk Creasa. Not a great defender. Never going to be a great defender. Courtney Ramey can be that guy. He already has some all-Big 12 chops to him. He's going to get the quickest, most dynamic guard on the other side. And he's got to be able to be that defensive stopper that shuts him down. And I don't think there's any reason that he can't. 
offensively, you know, I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see a player that definitely has more ability than he showed last year at Texas, mainly because that's not exactly a, uh, an offensive system that's, uh, can do, um, that's, you know, built for, uh, built for guys like Ramey, Tommy Lloyd lets his guys run. We've seen that. We already know that. And I would look for Courtney Ramey then to be right on top of that one as well. Um, but offensively, I think you could be looking at anything around 13 points per game, you know, some pretty good, uh, some good defense, dish in some assists, maybe get a little bit of backup point guard spot that remains to be seen, but that's what you're looking for out of Ramey. All right. Now, Pella Larson, anybody that follows me on Twitter at iron Mike Luke knows that, uh, I was wrong on Pella. I thought Pella sucked. And, um, I, I knew I was fully aware that he was injured. I understood all that, but he just looked, the game just didn't look like, you know, it, it just looked too fast for him. Well, you know what? That's why I'm sitting here, and that's why he's playing D1 basketball and Tommy Lloyd's coaching D1 basketball because Pella Larson, by the end of the year, had become a real weapon for Arizona, and it was through a variety of different ways, from shooting the ball to playing physical defense um, making good decisions, it all just became better for him. Now, uh, he's now he's certainly not without flaw. Um, he can't really dribble the ball. When he tries to dribble the ball too much, he ends up turning it over. So I don't want to really see him dribble the ball much. One or two dribbles, that's fine. Anything more than that, I'm not really too keen on. Um, but that's you know he, from a statistical perspective, he's going to be playing a lot of minutes. So I'd like to see Pella somewhere in that 13 to 14 point realm. I don't think that he's ever going to be a go-to, you know, get the ball, you know, in his hands, get out of the way, score. But, you know, he's he's got the ability to be a secondary or a tertiary option there. And so that's what you're looking for from Pella. You know, I don't even need you to be all conference, but I need you to be able to get there or I need you to at least be able to uh, approach that status at some point. So that's where we're looking at it from Pella Larson right there. Now, Azulis Tabellis. This is the best player on the team. Uh, now, last year at the end of the season, unfortunately for Arizona, something happened in the NCAA tournament. He got into the uh, he got into a little bit into his head, and that was um, that was a problem. Um, he was really bad in the NCAA or he was really bad in the NCAA tournament and quite frankly shrunk. There's no way around that. Um, I, you know, there's no way around that. He just kind of shrunk and looking at it right now, I think that, uh, you know, that, um, a season to look at everything in the mirror, come back a year, a year, a year stronger, a year more mature and, Hopefully you can get hopefully you can get something going there because they Arizona needs him to be a dynamic. Arizona needs him to be a player who goes out there and gets 20 and 10 pretty much every night. Now, if I don't get if you don't get 20 and 10, that's fine. But I need I need a Julius Tabellis to be able to impose his will on every single game that he goes into. And if he can't impose his will, then maybe I have, everybody has a little bit too high expectations, but we don't have too high of expectations because this is a player who, as we've talked about before, 
is physical, skilled, and was also able against the Mo- the Mobley brothers. Keep in mind, Evan Mobley is one of the handful of best young players in the N- NBA. Six foot eleven, seven foot, and he's also one of the best defensive players in the NBA. And Julius Tabellus went against him and his brother and dropped thirty one and eight as a freshman. You can't, you don't do that unless you have some real ability to you. And he's got that ability. He really does. So it's got to be a game in and game out thing. Tommy Lloyd talked about it uh, last year where he said the next step for Azulis is to hop in there and basically push his guy around. He's better than his guy. He knows that he knows what he needs to do and you got to go out there and do it. All eyes are going to be on Azulis because right now, you know, he, again, he is the best player on this team. He is a player who should have compete for the Pac-12 player of the year. I think we'll know really quickly what his frame of mind is. Has he gotten rid of the yips? Has he gotten into that next level? We'll find that one out, but Arizona needs him, and Arizona needs him in a big way. All right. Now, rounding out the starting five, my guy, Umar Ballo. I know a lot of people like Henry Visar, and I like Henry Visar as well. Who doesn't like Henry Visar? But I also think that it's going to be a little bit more, it's going to be a little bit more of a a time period, a process for Visar to get there because he's still a skinny guy. He's, you know, coming over from overseas, obviously. There is an adaptation point to that, unless you're just somebody who's ridiculously skilled, you know, like a Lowry Markinen. And he's just not, I don't think that he's in that class. Maybe he gets to that class, but he's not in that class yet. But Umar Ballo was so much better last year than I thought, than I think pretty much anybody thought he was going to be. He wasn't roster filler. And I use that term. I thought that he would be a practice guy. He'd be somebody that, you know, you get out and you run and uh, he bangs in practice a little bit. But there were times last year when Umar was a force, especially down low when he would get the ball. And one of my favorite things to see in basketball is the big man who, when he gets the ball down low, he goes up there and he looks to dunk and he looks to take off heads. And that's, uh, that's kind of where we're at. I, uh, you got, he's in better shape. I've seen him on campus. I can tell you that he's definitely slimmed down some and you're hoping that maybe a little bit more quick twitch comes out of him. And if a little bit more quick twitch muscle comes out of him, then I think that it's, you know, that it becomes even easier to project him into a start 28 minute per game role. But from a statistical perspective, assuming he's playing about 25 minutes, I'd like to see him get about 10 points and about seven, seven, eight rebounds and get a couple blocks. I mean, he had games last year where he had five blocks setting a Pac-12 uh, finals record. And, you know, you're going against really talented players doing that. So there's no reason that he can't. It's But Umar, more so than anybody, I think we're going to have a really good idea really quickly just what kind of hit, what his upside is. Because I think this year is going to be basically what Umar is because he's got that year in college or excuse me, that year playing a lot of minutes in college. And on top of that, he's going to be in better shape. He's going to know what's expected of him. And we'll kind of take it with that one from there. But again, I'm a big fan of Umar. I think that he is, uh, you know, one of the better, uh, 
one of the handful of best players on this team, and I think he's going to play a very important role this year, and we'll certainly uh, keep you abreast of that situation. Now, one other thing, though, that we obviously got to talk about, too, is LinkedIn. Everybody knows LinkedIn. This isn't like me coming at you saying, telling you about some, um, telling you about uh, one that uh, isn't, uh, you know, some, uh, an entity that isn't there or an entity that you haven't heard of that, you know, LinkedIn's there. You got over 60 million people. I've utilized it to get jobs. I'm sure you've utilized it to get jobs. And if you haven't utilized it, I'm sure that you've had other people that have utilized it to get jobs as well. So the uh, I look at this, though, and I think to myself that if it works for everybody else, why wouldn't you hop on there right now? 60 million people are using it. Um, but there you go. Use it. There's no other better way I can tell it. My family's used it. I've used it. Everybody's used it. Check out LinkedIn. We'll be right back with you. You are listening to Locked on Wildcats. Thanks for keeping it locked on Wildcats. I'm your host, Mike Luke. We are going down player by player, talking about what the expectations should be for that player going into the season. Now, we went through the starting five of Kirk, at least my opinion of the starting five, of Kirk Kreese, Courtney Ramey, Pella Larson, Azulis Tabellis, and Umar Ballo. Now, let's get to the players off the bench. Henry Visar. This was the long-awaited mystery Euro who was, you know, everybody knew that every, by the, by the end, everybody knew who Henry Visar was and that he was coming to the U of A, but nobody really talked about it. But I was also, I think like everybody else though, when you get a guy like that, who's a really talented player, maybe the best international player entering the college game you just want to make sure that they hit campus because it's easy for a school or it's easy for another school to get involved. It's easy for a national, uh, excuse me, it's easy for a European team to throw a bunch of money at him. Arizona stuck with Henry Visar and Arizona got Henry Visar. So let's talk about what he is. He is the most naturally, naturally skilled flash slash flash slash fluid big man on the entire roster. He's about six foot eleven, long body, and he can move. He's skilled. He's got a lot of different. Uh, he's got a lot of different um, skills to his game. He can shoot. He can finish down low. He's been well skilled in the low post. My only concern is just where he's at physically because he's a thin dude. Where is he? Can he be that player that you know comes in and basically is just a monster from day one? I know some people are expecting that. I don't really see that. I think it's going to take him a little bit of time, but you know, I'm, I'm more than okay with that. Cause if he, I, we've talked about this from day one, the 2023, 2024, I think is the target date for arrival for real arrival for Arizona basketball under Tommy Lloyd. And as long as VSAR is around for that, I'm cool with it. But this year, I think you're going to see something like 18 minutes per game, 15, 18 minutes per game, and probably averages of about eight and six in a block or something like that. Um, again, good numbers, not great numbers, but building towards a big, big sophomore season. Now, Kylan Boswell, obviously reclassified to join the team this year, dealing with a little bit of an injury. 
Um, he's in kind of a log jam, but I like as long as he knows that he's not going to play a ton of minutes this year. Again, I think he probably plays about 10 minutes per game, something like that. Because remember, he's younger. He's also dealing with an injury right now. But having him on campus where he can get the best training, get the best coaching is more optimal than being at Compass this year because he's not going to have that adaptation period next year where Arizona goes into the season with national title expectations. He'll have a year of college basketball, a year of college practice under his belt, and it, I would be surprised if he isn't the starting point guard. He's that dude. Um, so we will, uh, again, but you got to remember, even with the ranking, he's young. He's only 17. I don't look for a ton this year. And honestly, I think Courtney Ramey probably will be the better backup point guard option again at this point, but we'll see how everything plays out. But to me, that is, you know, that's a situation where he's not going to probably play a ton. Okay. Now we got Cedric Henderson. Then Henderson is fascinating transfer out of Campbell. You watch him on tape, you watch him against Duke, and he doesn't look like a player that plays at Campbell. Again, he's about six foot six, really good athlete, can move around, not a bad facilitator. If you're Arizona, you're hoping that he can kind of become a, uh, a Dalen Terry light. How about that? And, you know, if you're Arizona, you're more than okay with that. I see him gobbling up about 25 minutes. I think he's that dude. I think that he's going to be a problem in this conference for other people. Um, again, I don't know that he's going to be an all-conference guy, but I think that he's going to be on that all-newcomer team. He's that dude. So let's now, let's talk about real quick before we get to a couple other players. Let's talk, though, about Built Bar. You look at the big players on the team. You look at the strong players on the team. You look at Umar Ballo. And you're saying, man, how did Umar Ballo get so big? Umar Ballo got so big and so strong. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if it's because of Built Bar. Built Bar is where it's at. It tastes good. It's fun to be able to get in there. And it just tastes good. How many times have you gone to the gym and you said to yourself, ugh, yuck, or, you know, this tastes like chalk? There's none of that. It tastes like a candy. It's very good. So, again, check it out. You got to uh, check it out. Built Bar, we'll be right back with you, wrapping up this episode and getting ready for tomorrow. Thanks for keeping it locked on, Wildcats. I am your host, Mike Luke. All right, two more guys to talk about. Philip Borovichinen, from overseas, obviously, international player, six foot eight. Hard to really project what to know, but if he were to play 20 minutes a game, it wouldn't surprise me. If he were to play six minutes a game, it wouldn't surprise me. You look at his tape. He's bigger, he's stronger, he's very skilled. Um, it's just going to be how is his adaptation to the American game? Because if it's there, then he's going to play a lot. Nobody really knows until he hits the court. And then your other one you got, you got Dylan Anderson. I like Anderson. I'm a big fan. I know a lot of people have soured on him, but he's still six foot eleven. He's still a, a decent athlete, fairly skilled. Tommy Lloyd likes him. I think this year is basically a red shirt, get better year. And then next year, you're hoping that he can contribute a little bit. All right. We got football practice coming back up tomorrow. We're going to be talking all about that. We're going to talk a little bit of Arizona women's basketball. Adia Barnes is killing it on the recruiting trail, as so many of you know. And we're going to break that down. But we got a lot to get to uh, this coming or we got a lot to get to tomorrow. But as always, appreciate everybody hopping in right here. Just wanted to give you an update on what I think the statistical and the role expectations should be for all of the Arizona Wildcats on this team. 
You have been listening to Locked On Wildcats, and we will be back with you tomorrow. Happy Tuesday, Tucson, and everyone that listened.